You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. I would like to invite you to grab your Bibles or open your Bible apps at Matthew chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Out of respect of God's inspired word to us this morning, I would like to invite you to stand if you're able, please. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Marty, and um, I'm one of the pastors at CA Church, and it's great to join with you this morning, and welcome, a special welcome to the kids who are with us. So we're in the middle of a series on the Sermon on the Mount called A New Humanity, And in this series, we're working our way through the Beatitudes. So thanks for reading them this morning. Now, as you read the Beatitudes, you may think that they are instructions about how we should behave and what will happen if we do. So if I'm poor in spirit, then I'll inherit the kingdom of heaven. But that's not what the Beatitudes are meant to do. Instead, they're descriptions of what a person looks like when they live in the kingdom of God, when they follow Jesus. And the Beatitudes are surprising because they describe characteristics that usually we as humans try and avoid. So Jesus praises the ways of being that seem opposite to what might make us happy, such as being poor in spirit, or mourning, or being meek, or being persecuted. And through the Beatitudes, Jesus is actually and counterintuitively inviting us to a way of being in the world that is upside down, but a way that leads to human flourishing. And we, we all have our own ideas of what the good life looks like, and sometimes those ideas are a little different than Jesus' ideas. So when my son was a preteen, he had a very clear idea of what he wanted to do and what he didn't want to do. And he got very angry if someone um, tried to make him do something he didn't want to do. And we'd often get in big battles with him over his refusal to do things like his chores and his homework or any number of things. And so we were kind of stuck, so we withdrew permission for him to do the things he liked. And especially that was playing video games. And this made him really mad because he felt coerced and compelled to do the things he didn't want. And so one day he came to us and he said, you know, mom, I want to be a man with nothing to lose. And um, what he meant by that is he wanted to be free of owning anything or caring about anything that we could take away from him so he had no 
he didn't have to be compelled to do what we wanted him to do. And uh, so according to his vision of the world, a man with nothing to lose is someone who owns nothing, has no attachments, and is completely free. And this vision of the world is a vision that some adults hold, and even some religions. And so my son lived into this vision of being a man with nothing to lose, and when he was 19, he packed up everything he owned in a backpack and traveled the world for four years. And the only valuable thing he had was his passport, and he did manage not to lose it. But um, Jesus has a very different perspective on what a man, a woman, or a child with nothing to lose looks like. And Jesus' perspective is this, that when we receive all that God has for us, when we experience God's love, when we live in God's kingdom, we, all the other things we have, our possessions, our reputation, our work, they become things that we do not value because we have all that is valuable. And we become people with nothing to lose. And the spiritual term for this is called holy indifference. And we're so confident in God, in God's goodness, in God's provision for us, that we're freed from whatever the drama of the day is. And we embrace the world as Jesus did. And we're not fazed by people criticizing us or praising us. We're not worried about failure. We're not seeking success. We don't need to fight or push or try and gain allies, but we can trust in God's will. And this is holy indifference. And this is what true freedom looks like. This is what it means to be people with nothing to lose. And so Jesus is talking about that today in our beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So let's pray. So God, as we come before you today, help shape in us this vision for what it means to live in your kingdom, for what it means to be people who are meek, people who have inherited the earth. And help us, Jesus, to live into this vision. Amen. So the word meek is not a word we use very often. Can anyone shout out a definition for this word? What does it mean to be meek? What does that look like? Humble, okay. Any, any other ideas? So in English, the word meek tends to have some negative connotations. And so the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says this. It says, deficient in spirit and courage. So is Jesus saying, like, blessed are the fraidy cats? They will get the kingdom of, of or they will inherit the earth? And uh, this isn't what the Greek word means. So the Greek word that's translated here as meek, but also can be translated as humble, um, has nothing to do with these negative connotations of people who are weak, people who give in, people without passion. Instead, the Greek word is often used to describe a horse that's been broken in. And so there's this very strong animal who learns how to manage its strength and follow directions. Um, And that is uh, a meek animal. And so at times the trainer would take a yoke and yoke a colt to a a horse that was broken in. And this powerful animal would train a colt without fear in how to be meek. Meek doesn't mean weak. And one commentator describes it as winsome humility born out of trusting God. Another as the power to absorb adversity and criticism without lashing back. And the Bible describes only two people as meek. Do you know who those two people were? Moses, yeah, and Jesus. 
Moses and Jesus are the only ones described as meek. So think of Jesus in Matthew 11:28 to 30. He gives this invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle or meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so that's that picture of the, the colt and the horse. That in Jesus, Jesus is strong in his meekness. In his meekness, he can carry us. In his meekness, he can help us to live what it looks like to be kingdom people. So let's dig a little bit more into what meekness means. And as we read the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find often that Jesus quotes from his Bible, which we call the Old Testament. And this is one of the cases where that happens. And when that happens, it's important to go back and see how that phrase or that sentence was originally used in its context. And so we're going to turn to Psalm 37. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn there. And Psalm 37 is a Psalm of David, and it was written to address the ancient question of why do people who ignore and disobey God get ahead? Why do the wicked prosper? And in verse 11 of Psalm 37, David writes this. He says, the meek will inherit the land. And the Hebrew word for land is Eretz, and it can be translated as land or earth. And it turns out that in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Bible that people in Jesus' time read, they'd actually translated this word land as earth. And so most scholars believe that Jesus was quoting from Psalm 37:11 for this beatitude. The meek will inherit the land. And so in this psalm, and I think if we can put the big um, part of that psalm up, you can see that this phrase, will inherit the land, is used five times. And it's used to, um, have you guys got that next slide or you don't have it? Okay, you don't have it. Okay, so it's used five times, and it's used in verse 9, verse 22, verse 29, and 34 with Psalm 11, is, uh, verse 11 is the center. And so those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land, verse 9. The meek will inherit the land. Those the Lord blesses in verse 22 will inherit the land. The righteous will inherit the land. And those who hope in the Lord and keep his ways. And in the psalm, David describes the character of meekness. So let's look what he has to say. So again, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. But in verse 1, it says that the meek do not worry. They do not get heated up by those who wrong, are wrong. They don't give the finger to people who cut them off in traffic. They don't stew at night about the kid who got the best mark in, on the test because they cheated. Um, and they, they have emotions, but they take responsibility for their emotions. And they trust in God to bring justice. In verse 3, it says, the meek do good, even in the face of evil. And David says this in verse 27 as well. The meek do not return evil for evil. That's weakness. Instead, the meek cultivate faithfulness to God. And in verse 4, the meek delight in the Lord. In verse 8, they refrain from anger or jealousy about the success of those who are evil. So I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's evil and you get really annoyed and mad about it, but the meek don't focus on this. this is, and this is a quality of courage. It takes great strength uh, to cease from being angry at someone. 
And it means giving up the right to avenge those who've hurt us. And it's because the meek are wise, and they know that they've done wrong. They know that God has forgiven their sin. They have sorrow over their sin, and in gratefulness to God for giving it, they're able to forgive others too. And so whatever power the meek have, they use it to serve others rather than uh, to get, get vengeance. In verse 5 and 6, David writes, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And Daryl Johnson points out that this word commit actually is the Hebrew word roll. So roll your troubles on to the Lord. Let the Lord worry about it. The meek roll their worries onto Jesus. In verse 7, David says, The meek are people who entrust their lives to God, and they let go of the need to control the future. They rest patiently in the Lord. They trust that God is at work, and they rest with expectation and courage, that God is all-knowing and all-powerful. God is able to work everything out for the greater good. Meek people find their joy in God. They don't dwell in others taking it on others taking advantage of them, and their identity is rooted in God. So they allow um, it allows them to live with a, an openness, with a freedom, because they're not trying to control what happens. And these characteristics make the meek unbeatable. They have nothing to lose. It's impossible to defeat them because their strength lies in their confidence that they're cared for by God. Their wisdom comes from being able to see the world with the eyes of God. And they don't succumb to the pressures of the world because they're anchored in what is eternal. They're anchored in the kingdom. So what does meekness look like in a person's life? And there's, as I said, there's two people in scripture who exemplify this. The first is Moses, and he's described this way in Numbers, um, Numbers 12. And Moses is in the wilderness, things are hard, and he's challenged by his siblings, Miriam, Miriam and Aaron. And they criticize him for his choice of a wife, and particularly her ethnic identity. And they also uh, criticize him for his leadership. So very personal things. And Moses refuses to lash out at them. He doesn't um, demand an apology because he knows that God will defend him. And this is a very different Moses than we saw many years ago in Egypt when he actually took offense at an Egyptian and killed him and then fled. Moses now has learned the truth of the kingdom of God. He's learned to be meek. He now has this power that's under control, this power that's able to absorb adversity and criticism and trust that God is in control. The second person we talked about is Jesus. And in Matthew 11, Jesus is asked if he is the Messiah. And, and Jesus shows his meekness in his response. He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, their dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense in me. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have a false humility. He didn't build himself up in his self-image. He just stated things as they were. He didn't minimize, and he used his power and his strength to serve others and to see others' lives changed. At his trial before Pilate, 
There's, it's a powerful demonstration of what meekness looks like. And Jesus stands before Pilate, and as Pilate questions him, he cannot be intimidated, he cannot be bought. There's nothing he desires more than to follow the Father's will and to offer his life for others. And his willingness to do this is a pinnacle of strength that's required to truly inherit the earth. His disciple Peter describes it this way in 1 Peter 2.23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Now, Jesus' courage and faithfulness in the midst of suffering is amazing. And blessed are the weak is an invitation into a new way of being in the world that leads to human flourishing. People who have this quality are admired, and they are people who change the world. And you and I are not naturally like this. We can't just will ourselves to be meek. Meekness is very much to do with who God is, and as we trust in God, God can develop meekness in us. As we roll our worries onto God, we can wait patiently and trust God. And so how is meekness developed in our life? So when we embrace Jesus, we start to become like Jesus. We begin to take on his character traits. And when the good news of the kingdom of God gets a hold of us, we start becoming meek and gentle too. In Galatians 5.23, Paul lists meekness as one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so how do fruits grow? And if you think of a fruit tree, it... Um, it's produced through t fruit is produced through time and care of the gardener. The, fruit, the tree absorbs water and nutrients from the soil and sun um, through its leaves and by this way produces fruit. And so with us, the fruit of the Spirit is produced in us as we allow the Spirit to work in us, as we abide in Jesus, as we study the scriptures and understand what the kingdom of God is like and welcome its value. Maybe you can think of an example of someone who is meek. Maybe just think about that right now. It's probably not an uh, influencer you watch on TikTok. Uh, it's probably not uh, a, the successful person in your profession or maybe a professor you had at university. A meek person um, is very different. And so I'm going to tell you about one person um, who was a well-known person who I think demonstrated this meekness. And I had read, when I was a kid, I had read about him in school, and maybe some of you kids have too. He is the inventor of peanut butter. And so his name was George Washington Carver. He was a scientist, and he was born a slave in 1863. By, the late, by his late 30s, he obtained a master's in agriculture, was, which was very unusual for a black man of his day. And he became a university professor, and he was a professor for over 50 years. And he was a pioneer in sustainable agriculture. And his techniques are being resurrected today because they were so amazing. But Carver was a follower of Jesus. He became a follower of Jesus at 10. And whatever he did, he wanted to do for the glory of God and the benefit of, the, of others. So instead of patenting, patenting his products, and he developed hundreds of products, he let people freely use them. And so he, peanut butter was one of those products that he produced. He was known for his kindness and his humility and his wisdom. And 
Um, despite his success and brilliance, uh, Carver was humble. He knew who he was and who he was dependent on. So with humor, he tells this story. He says, when I was young, I said to God, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered and said, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. So I said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. And then God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. And so he told me. <laughs> but, but meekness is an important sign of the nearness of God's kingdom. And that's why it's included in the Beatitudes. So our world typically runs on the principles of the wicked. Take what you can, run over who you must, and fight for the most. Is that not true? And it takes a lot of energy to keep this up. It doesn't lead to human flourishing. It leads to exploitative competition and to destruction. And David knew this several millennia ago. He knew that there would be consequences for running the world in this way. Think of things like environmental destruction and racism. They're all about that. They're all about one-upping people and taking what we need to get to the top. And, but the scriptures tell us that those who step on others will be brought down. Those who hold on to power unjustly will be brought down, and they will face judgment now and in the future. The scripture says that this world and its ways are coming to an end. And the old order, the old way of doing things, will be swallowed up by the new, by the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom, the meek will inherit the earth. But even now, who are the ones who are truly able to enjoy the earth? It's not those who are constantly pushing and demanding, but it's those who find joy in being. The meek understand that there's more to life than this present moment, and they prioritize the things that will last. The meek know the secret, that the kingdom of God is near, that the old way, the old way of pushing and grabbing and demanding, that's coming to an end. The meek live now as if the kingdom of God is already here and has already arrived, and they are experiencing the joy and all that God has for them. The meek are the ones who will inherit the earth, and as such, they are the people with nothing to lose. Let's pray. So Jesus, as we look at you and your meekness, your humility, you're willing to stand for what was good and right, uh, we are in awe, and we can't even imagine how our lives could be transformed to look like that. We confess that we are people who push and grab. We're people who judge the wicked. We're people who fret over that. And God, we long to be like you. We long to live with these kingdom values exhibited in our life. And so we submit ourselves to you. And we ask, Jesus, that as we walk with you, that you will produce this fruit in our life, that you will produce this fruit of meekness, that you will enable us to be a blessing, that you will enable us to be world transformers as you are. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.